we are again. Welcome back to Talking About Coaching. I'm here with Yannick and Nikki. And today, um, in today's question, we'll talk about to what extent am I responsible for my client's success or lack thereof? Great mm. question. Really not great sure question. Who, not yeah. sure who sent it, but I think it's a question I think that most of us ask us. Ask I, of I us. I think it's one of those questions that uh, I, I know Nikki was kind of scouring some of the uh, coaching communities and kind of collecting some of the most asked questions. So I don't think there's a specific person, at least we don't have a name next to it. Um, but I'd certainly, I, I notice it a lot. You know, a lot of coaches, particularly in supervision, they're like, mm-hmm. uh, they feel the weight of the, of the question, am I doing enough? You know, my client is not quite getting where they want to be. And they said, uh, you know, they set goals and they're not quite there and stuff has come up. Am I serving them well enough? Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? So a lot of that kind of stuff comes up and I see a lot of coaches take a lot more responsibility on than I feel they need to. So it's a, it's a nice space. It's a nice question to open because sometimes I just want to shake them and say, just, it's, not your, it's not your job to create the results. It's your job to facilitate or create the potential for that. What you're selling is not results. What you're selling is the potential for somebody to change their life and make a change. And I know saying that, I have at least five coaches in my mind who sell results. And they say, I'm, I'm, I'm not selling you time. I'm selling you results. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing uh, way of selling coaching to somebody because, you know, you feel very confident that that coach is not selling you time. They're selling me the results. You know, some coaches don't get paid unless the results get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that takes, that puts a lot of weight on you in terms of responsibility because you're making a promise that's not up to you. You know, and we know that from research, uh, 40% of the, I mean, this is um, from therapy, but has been translated into coaching, a um, uh, piece of research by uh, Lambert and Barley and McKenna and Davis wrote about it in coaching is that uh, around 40% of the, cl- of the, of the success of the, of the work is mediated by external factors. You know, it's something we have no control over. You know, if somebody close to the client dies, they're not going to, you know, potentially keep losing the weight or keep focused because it's just, it's not up to us. You can be as good a coach as you want to be. If somebody's bereaved, you're, you're not going to do good coaching work with them. Mm. Yeah. So, and given that so much of that, 40% is a lot. It's not mm-hmm. up to you. I wouldn't want to promise results. You know, if I do that, of course, I'm going to get nervous, you know, because it's not up to me. I cannot control that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I, th- I feel like, you know, that speaks straight from my heart and that's absolute kind of textbook kind of early coaching stuff that you do. Um, and I definitely feel myself in it um, very much, you know. Um, I think, again, like we, we said in the previous episode, you know, there's such a desire there to really give value to your clients and to really kind of, you know, help them get the results. And you're, you know, I mean, that's always there, but especially as a, a starting coach to, to kind of for you to get more confident with yourself by seeing the results for your client. Um, that it's so easy to put so much pressure on yourself. Um, you know, one way in which that manifested for me is at, at one client I had in particular said like, oh, you know, Nikki, I really enjoyed the coaching, but it would have been so great if you could send me like notes after each session. And like, so, you know, now I've made it a habit to send notes to, to all of my clients. And I just, I realize how much extra energy and time that takes from me. And I think 
well, I wonder if they actually go through this long email that I've sent and, and read it and how much better would it be if they kind of went away from the session and wrote the notes themselves and like, mm -hmm. if with, you know, how much better would it be for them if they empowered themselves and kind of did all that learning and digesting and then went out. And so, I mean, you know, it's interesting because from my perspective in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm really doing a great thing and I'm really going to support them and it's going to be awesome. They're going to have these notes and they're going to get so much out of that. And I realized like, am I actually disempowering my, my client from taking away responsibility that's part of the process from them and like putting the the power and the reality of the situation that the change is down to them in their hands so so that was a good learning curve i'm so glad you're asking yourself that those questions <laughs> <laughs> no for sure of course yeah because yeah. There's, there's no clear answer to that right because mm -hmm. i i know that from having trained so many coaches there's always a few coaches who send a lot of stuff afterwards And you, there's a real argument that this is like serving the client. It's giving them so much extra. It might spark a lot of more thoughts. Sometimes it's uh, for when you see something written down, it has more weight than when it's being spoken, you know? Uh, so that can be tremendously valuable. And there's always clients who say, this is so amazing. I love the notes and it sparked so many more thoughts and it's mm -hmm. so valuable. And thank you so much for that. You know, that's why some coaches keep doing it. On the other hand, it's exactly what you said. You know, it will be so much more uh, empowering and per taking personal responsibility if they write their own notes and they do their own thinking. And also, whatever they write from your notes, they're being read. So maybe there's something else that's being taken from them. Or if, mm. you're, if you send a note that maybe doesn't land well with them or it makes them a bit defensive or, you know, if they feel it as being critical, you know, it can send somebody off into this whole thing while you're not around. You know, and then all of a sudden the client goes AWOL because they felt super critical, uh, criticized and, you know, they didn't feel good. And you had no idea why, because you just sent them some positive notes. So I love I love the questions you're asking and the awareness you're putting out there about it. Phew, good. It's such an interesting question, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you know, I personally, you know, I think over the years I've put probably too much of or maybe not put but taken too much responsibility in that in that area but I think it's you know what comes to mind I think uh, I went through a, you know diploma with animals and the example that we we had there was an acorn if you put it on concrete nothing will happen yeah. right but you know if you have it in 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 the right environment it can grow into a tree And so for, for myself, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, how can I create that? How can I help create that environment for the client, mm. right? And, and it comes maybe just through really connecting to the last question, really getting to know this person really well, right? What can I do to help you? But, you know, at, at the core of it really now, for me, it's, it's about ownership. You know, it's one of those relationships that, you know, like anything, I think even in, in a romantic relationship it's I think it's just about mm. if both both parties give 100% take 100% ownership I think that's where results are created mm -hmm. and I love what you said I attended the positive psychology weekend with you and that's always stuck with me and I, and I share this with clients all the time right it's only 15% according to that research was the results are only 15% impacted by your approach as a coach And often we put so much focus on our approach, right? And I think it was 15% was the client's expectation, right? 
and, and then like you mentioned 40 percent external factors but then a big part of that i think was relationship right yeah I think that half, was the of, other, half yeah. of what we can influence 30 percent you know after we yeah. subtract the 40 percent there's 60 percent left and half of that is the relationship mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly so i think i think there is while it's not fully in our control i think there is a lot of our, our approach is in our control creating expectations is somehow we, we we can influence that and we can really influence the relationship mm-hmm. right so i think you know by the you know just having said that i think really having worked with a lot of coaches myself but also having done a lot of life coaching i think it's really instilling ownership in the client mm-hmm. ownership for the results mm-hmm. right and you know i think the more we can do that you know the more you know the more fruitful the relationship will be mm-hmm. but then also as a coach and, and again we coaches have different approaches but i personally want to also take more ownership there and see what else can i do mm-hmm. not, not necessarily babysitting them but i want to also think long term i want to make sure that it's empowering i don't want to just you know spoon feed them all the time but it's really thinking, well, maybe, hey, in the beginning, maybe I do need to hold their hand a little bit more, right? I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and my one-year-old is now running around the house. But in the beginning, he needed to pick, be picked up again and again, and he fell down, right? And he needed a bit of more support. And he would just, like, run into things. And I think sometimes it's like that. And, then, and again, I'm not saying that that's the right way, but personally what I've seen is in, in long-term relationships with clients, I think sometimes it's really being aware of like, hey, th- this is maybe the early f- stages, but I want to be very aware of mm-hmm. how am I creating this relationship? Am I setting this up to be a, one of those relationships where it's, uh, you know, a parent-child relationship or is it yeah. an adult, adult, adult? Wow, this is, this is again such a rich metaphor. Thank you so much. <laughs> because uh, for me, that brings up a, a quite a few questions around like, what's my relationship with this client and what role am I taking on as I work with them? Mm-hmm. For example, uh, if it's, if it's a toddler or it's like a child trying, like trying to, to walk, uh, we don't teach them how to walk. We don't sit them down and say, okay, so this is how you do it. And this is how the theory works. And we, you know, deliver a, a kind of a lecture on, uh, on how to walk. But we do create, uh, we do give them the, the kind of acorn metaphor, you know, we do give them the water and uh, the, the air and the light, you know, we do give them the love and the support. And sometimes we do just pick them up and, you know, we give them some encouragement. And uh, sometimes a coach does that. Um, but we don't, we don't tend to teach a toddler how to walk. They need to still figure that out on their own. Um, but that said, in coaching, we, we don't work with little children. We don't work with somebody who we might call vulnerable or needs to kind of pick me up. You know, we, we still need love and support. You know, we still need all the conditions for growth. And this uh, kind of Akon stuff is based on, on Carl Rogers' work and humanistic psychology. You know, the core conditions for uh, therapy are the same than the core conditions for people to self-actualize, you know, people to take their, their own ownership. Um, we always turn towards the light. Flowers, plants, they turn toward the light. It's the heliotropic effect. Uh, King Cameron, you know, we, you'll notice that in plants. They always turn towards the light if they got the right conditions. You know, then they grow and then they can, will grow into a beautiful tree. So what can I take responsibility for is the main question here. 
And I think as a coach, that's an important question to ask yourself. My responsibility might not to teach you how to walk, but my responsibility in this relationship might be to create the environment where you're not going to be discouraged when you fall. You know, eventually, like occasionally I might give you a hand to get back up. You know, occasionally I might give you a word of love or encouragement or positive affirmation, you know, that I do believe that you can do this because I've seen so many other people do this. You know, um, what are you willing and able to take responsibility for? You're not able to take responsibility for that person managing to learn how to walk in a certain time frame. You know, that depends on a lot of the client factors. That's some, not something that you can necessarily control, but you, you could influence it. So to what extent are you willing to take responsibility for that? I take responsibility for the, the love, light, light uh, water and space. You know, I, I can do that, but only within the coaching relationship. I cannot do it outside. So I want to have that conversation about what am I responsible for in this relationship and what are you responsible for in this relationship? And again, it's one of those things I include in the contracting conversation. It's like, what can I do and what can I not do? You know, what I expect you to do, what can you expect me to do? Here's something you can expect from me. Here's something you cannot expect from me. This is something I expect from you. You know, and when you have that conversation, then you're clear about where the responsibilities lie. And then you can feel safe and secure and not so weighed down because you're both clear and you agreed on what you do and what you do not take responsibility for. And that just changes the whole game. So again, it comes back to contracting for me. Mm, I agree. I mean, yeah, what I'm really getting out of this session quite powerfully and, and I really kind of resonate with, you know, thinking about the question the most valuable, I think, that, you know, we offer as coaches and that we, I think, should or can take responsibility for is exactly that, that looking both at the, the, the parenting metaphor, the acorn one, is it's kind of creating the space, you know, that one hour, two hour session or whatever for our client, creating the space, creating the atmosphere and contributing to a kind of a mindset um, for a client that enables them to ask questions that they don't in their everyday or in, in, in the current of their everyday lives and the pace at which their lives are running. So it's kind of to, yeah, slow it down, open and create the space. And, and the, the thing I've particularly been focusing on, and I think, you know, that is obviously particularly the role of the coach is asking powerful questions. Um, you know, I think there is a huge difference between just asking lots of questions and going into detail. And I think that's all great, but you know, the difference of when the difference for the clients of when you do manage to like place a really just like a powerful question in there and the transformation that happens for them, then for them then is, is yeah, it's just another level. And I think ultimately that's what I see the role of a very good and effective coach and their responsibilities, asking those powerful questions. Mm. And figuring out what a powerful question is, because how are you can be the most powerful question to ask. That's true. You know? Yeah. And so it depends. And some of that comes with intuition. You know, some of that comes with experience. Some of that comes from just like looking at lots and lots of questions and internalizing a lot of questions that have been found to work in many mm -hmm. cases. And then just, you know, in that moment, being able to make a decision on what might be a powerful question. Don't get too hung up on what's the most powerful question because mm -hmm. your responsibility is not to always ask the perfect question. You mm -hmm. know, your responsibility is to, my, I think my responsibility is to be really, really present 
and be so present that I'm able to be present with my client and allow that perfect question, you know, that mm -hmm. uh, powerful question to emerge at the time when it feels it's going to be really, really helpful and offer it in a way that they can hear it and reflect on it. You know, my, my responsibility is to create the space where the client feels safe enough to consider a very, perhaps a critical question, you know, or a, a question that confronts them with another part of themselves. You know, my responsibility is to contract clearly and get the kind of agreement from the client that we're going to be working in this way. You know, my responsibility is to create a space where they feel safe enough to grow and be uncomfortable, you know, but also to celebrate their, their success and their win and their change, you know, and, and create that kind of balance. So there's a lot more that I feel responsible for. Um, but also I need to give myself permission to be human and to, you know, ask a question in a really bad way, ask a question that is help useless, you know, I, I still often, uh, like more often than I like to ask compounded questions, you know, three <laughs> questions together, or I waffle around the question because I still, it's still forming rather mm -hmm. than taking some time thinking about it and asking it in a clear and concise way, mm -hmm. you know, but that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, it's not my responsibility to be perfect. My mm -hmm. responsibility is to work as best as I can reflect mm -hmm. on it, take it to supervision, do my continuous professional development, talk to other coaches like here so we can continuously grow so I can play at the top of my game um, as much as I can, you know, which, which is not anywhere near perfection. I'm continuously growing. So that's some of the things I take responsibility for. Nice, Yannick. That's good to hear. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I think the, the biggest insight for me was actually just having that conversation up front. You know, regardless of how you work, I think it it's that probably creates the most instills the most ownership. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, and I and I think you know just something I want to leave. You know, people with is you know I think often as coaches. People come to us often thinking, well, this person is going to actually sort me out or fix me. And I've done this in the past, hiring coaches or even personal trainers thinking, okay, now I'm finally going to get, lose that weight or finally going to get fit. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to do the work. And actually just making that clear up front, it says, you know, it sets you up in the right way. See, we weren't done. I should have totally allowed that silence to just kind of unfold a little bit. What a what a bad coaching mistake. <laughs> uh, that's so funny because I, I think I have the time in mind because, uh, you know, as uh, as avid listeners of the podcast, you know that, you know, we wanted to make much shorter episodes and I think we're getting longer and longer. So there's a part in me that is like, okay, we're done. I think that's it. You know, nobody says anything immediately. Let's stop it here. <laughs> when actually it's so valuable to just allow that silence. So I think we can, uh, we can uh, have a teachable moment there in terms of how we relate to each other. <laughs> nice. No, I mean, I think the reality is, you know, all these subjects, they're so interesting and we, you know, the reality is it's, it's hard to close any of them down because I'm sure we could go on forever. Um, yeah, but it's also important to kind of, uh, I think we're missing that in podcasts and in conversations in general, that we allow silences to happen because somebody's just said something and then you just let it sink and process. 
I need to constantly remind myself of that. And I want to do it a lot more in like training sessions. Like there's not enough space left for silences for people to just process something. You know, why we do that in coaching sessions one-to-one. I do that all the time. But I don't do it in group scenarios like this one or like training rooms. So I think it's a useful reminder to allow that more so people have time to think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we don't have to do it now just because <laughs> I said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And anyway, wherever you're listening, you know, share with us in the comments. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do? How do you create? Um, yeah, how do you create more success in your clients? And how do you see yourself there in that relationship? And what do you take responsibility for? You know, and what do you expect your clients to take responsibility for? Maybe another checklist, Sivas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that model that you shared. So, um, you know, I think actually just maybe going deeper on that because I do, I do think you know. It, there's a lot of there's a lot that we can take responsibility for as a coach, and it's very easy to say, well, I'm just gonna create a space and ask the questions, but really thinking about that, you know, but that's you know maybe for another day. But going really deeper, well, what about my approach? What about how can I set up expectations? How can I make this relationship really good? Mm-hmm. What what can I do, you know, to create that? Mm-hmm. What can I and what do I want to do? You know, for yeah. me, it always comes back to willing and able. Yeah. You know, what am I able to do? But also, what am I willing to do? Because I might be able to uh, pick you up and teach you things, but I might not. I might not want to do that. Maybe yeah, it's not the I, kind of work I'm interested in. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. I'm working right now with a life coach in the second year, and he was clear from the from the start. There is no agenda, and you know, you, the first conversation was super clear about. The responsibility being with me, and there's no like regular check-ins and stuff. But it's some of the most powerful coaching I've experienced, right? But he's slowly helped me to become a better client by helping me create more integration time after the sessions, right? Little things. But then I have I'm part of another program where there's a high level of accountability, and there's constantly someone checking in, you know. And I think it's it's you know it's really great to see the difference. Mm. You know, and and again, one person, the the life coach, he's just really powerful, really great, but does it his way. So I love the distinction that you mentioned there. And, you know, with this business program, I mean, they they have a team of 22 people and they're just constantly thinking, how can we, you know, create more accountability? How can we create an environment where people, you know, have everything they need? And it, I like the idea of sharing responsibilities across different professionals mm-hmm. because we cannot be expected to wear all of the hats together. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've always like for a while, I've had the idea of like what I call tech team coaching, um, where I would do the deep existential stuff that I arguably enjoy uh, very much, um, perhaps more than the kind of checking in regularly, accountability, you know, setting very clear goals, evaluate how the actions have gone since last time. I can do that. And I do that with a fair amount of clients because it feels important to the work. But I thought like, why don't you have somebody who loves to check in on WhatsApp every single day, you know? (laughs) And why don't I work with that person? And I can just clap him in 
after yeah. we've done the kind of foundational work and then we kind of have our own peer supervision sessions where me and that accountability coach get together and we we share how these sessions went so you know you get an absolute vip package with two could be more than two coaches mm. it's like yeah. oh now uh, like meditation comes up why don't we clap in a meditation teacher you know mm. and then uh, you get all of these different uh, roles from different experts And they have like once a month, they come together and they discuss different clients that they work with. Hmm. So I've, I've always loved the model and I've, uh, I yeah. have never really got it going. I, like I hadn't really had the hunger from people to be like, oh yeah, I'd love to work in a tech team. Probably partly because you would have to sell it quite expensively um, because it's like you work with a number of coaches and they spend some time outside of your coaching to talk to each other. So it's like a super VIP bundle. Uh, I like the idea. We can jump on that more. I actually, I've hired an accountability coach in my programs and it's actually helped because I don't need to do those little things, mm. but it's, it's really in service of the client, for the clients. Yeah. And, if finding, you have five, yeah. Yeah, and if you have five of those clients, you just kind of get together monthly as the tech team um, and you discuss a variety of them. So you don't need to get together separately on each of those clients. You just kind of have five of them. And then once a month, you get together for 90 minutes and you discuss all five. Yeah. So yeah, if anybody's out there who's interested in tagging up, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's a group of coaches we can get together. Yeah. There, there's an interesting comment from David Lee. He said, picking up on Yannick's point about the coach's interest, one question to ask yourself maybe, what am I not interested in doing with or for this client, but that might be helpful for them anyway? How would it be mm. if I could venture into this territory with a client despite my reluctance to do so? Uh, what am I not doing? Yeah, what am I not interested in doing, but it might be useful or helpful for them? Ah, yeah. Yeah, that brings a lot of the points we talked about together. Thanks, David. By the way, if anybody's listening to the podcast uh, on other platforms and you're wondering what, how do people do live comments, uh, we're, we're streaming our recording sessions live on Facebook. Um, and then we're kind of uh, publishing them bit by bit uh, on our usual platforms. Uh, so if you're interested in uh, in being part of the conversation, we'd, we'd love you to do that. So you just need to kind of follow us on Facebook. Awesome. I, I think I think we've covered a lot. I think that might be a good time no, to, uh, to bring it down. Any concluding thoughts on responsibility? Mm. For me, it's contracting. You know, that's what it comes down to. I think I think choose what you what you want to do, how you want to play, and bring that up in the contract. Mm -hmm. And then you know, I think it, as a coach, you know, I do encourage I do encourage coaches to really um, sorry, let me just remove that. I do <laughs> I do encourage coaches to um, yeah to to look at what feels maybe uncomfortable, but you know again just experimenting with how can I grow as a coach. Where can I, you know, where can I um, take a bit more responsibility? And I think the more the more you coach, then your style, you know, gets created and emerges. And then you can just once you're very clear, then communicate that clearly. So you don't need to be for everyone. Nice, nice. Yeah, sorry, Nikki. Any? Do you want to say anything? No, I think I would just start a whole nother, like I would open up okay. a whole other conversation. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. But I, I found it a really, really great um, question, really, really great um, ideas about it. And for me, it's a, it's a, 
it's a subject that's going to continue to be kind of, yeah, in growth and under review. Mm. It's an ongoing question. I think that coaches need sure. to ask themselves. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your commitment to learning and growing as a coach. Just a few things before you go. First of all, we're doing this for you. So if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, do send us a question. Secondly, we're not doing this for profit. So we rely on your support to help us reach as many coaches as we can. So if you can send this episode to a friend or tell a fellow coach uh, about what we're doing here, maybe you can subscribe or leave us a review or even support us on Patreon. Um, that would be amazing. And lastly, you can find us across all major platforms. So uh, whether you like to watch or you like to listen or you like to download episodes and listen to it uh, in your car while you're driving through somewhere with no internet, uh, you can do so too. Um, and that's it from us. Thank you and I hope to see you next time.